0: God, thank you for our sister, Lindsay, Father. Thank you for her heart um, of love and compassion um, and of honesty towards you um, and to other people. Holy Spirit, just come. Fill her um, with the confidence um, to share what you have put on her heart, God. Open our hearts and our minds to see you and to receive um, what you have for us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: might move it later on. You know. Cool. Um, so my name is Lindsay. Hi. I Hi. No. yay! I like happy, happies, hellos and everything. Um, Told you I'm gonna get used to it. Um, so I used to come to Communitas for a while and the Lord really blessed me with an awesome opportunity to get my master's in social work. Um, and so that's what I'm doing right now, which sometimes is really hard when he asks us to, like, really, like, take the trust and to go do that, um, and so I can't be here on Tuesday nights because of that, because I do therapy with little preschoolers, um, which is awesome, um, but he's also taught me so much through this time, and I wrote this talk back in November, and it's just been really amazing to see how much he's taken, um, what I've learned just in November, and he's just expanded it so much more, um, to now, and so much of what I wrote, I'm just like, whoa, what did I write, like, that wasn't me, like, it just becomes truer and truer as, like, the days go on, um, and so tonight, like, when you guys listen, um, just let it kind of sink in, and just ask kind of God, like, what he wants to teach you through it, um, because, really what's in here is really powerful and really true. Um, and I believe it's really life-changing. Um, and I don't just say that to say it. Like, I've seen it in my own life, um, and I've seen it transform. So that's why I say that. Yeah. Um, so period about, so say November all the way till January of the year before. Um, so however months that is, 11 months. Um, I would say it was probably like one of the toughest periods of my life. um really tough, really hard. um this song is crazy that like we sang it um because it was like totally my life, like it was the ocean, I was just like,, oh, and all of a sudden I get back up and there's a wave, and I just crash down again, and then I get back up, and it's just like a constant like oh, I can't breathe like ah you know and it was just hard it was just really really hard um and so in that time like it was dark it was filled with suffering I had questions so so many questions um about like who the heck am I like does God even exist because I'm doubting him and I'm angry and I'm mad um and I just like felt really hurt and really just like torn down um And I just felt like everything was falling apart. I had to say goodbye to um, a grandmother that passed away, um, friends that moved away to college, um, a boyfriend who I thought I would marry, like, just so much stuff. And I was just like, what's going on? Like, it was just really, really hard. Um, And I just, like, was scared. I was scared for what the future would bring. um, Knowing that, like, I was just like, I don't want to think about the future. Like, what else am I going to lose? Like, feel like something's going great and then hope something gets lost again and I'm like like I would shake constantly because I was just so scared um and I just like studying mental illnesses and I would laugh because I'm like what should I get diagnosed with depression like because straight up like I know how to diagnose it everything I was feeling and behaving was that um which that sucks like when you're in class and you're like hmm hello right here like diagnose me right now because that's what's going on um and I just like I really it really was upset um but the cherry on top of that really sad cake was that my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer too and I was just like oh, like come on and like it really was not a matter of like feeling like you got pushed over but everything underneath you was just wiped out and you're just like um Sucks. Like, doesn't just suck. It like your whole life. You're just like, what's going on? Like, I don't, I don't know what's going on, and I can't tell people what's going on because I don't really know. And so it's just really, really hard. Um, but I really want you guys to know this that I don't tell you this to feel bad for me, rather that I believe if a person is to speak on suffering, that he or she has to go through it, and when they speak it, on it, they have to speak of a place of vulnerability and just a place of just like really rawness of their heart. Um, And so when I wrote this talk, like, my heart was vulnerable. Um, My roommates are here, they'll know, like, I cried so much writing it. Um, And I'm not going to be surprised if I cry tonight because that's just what happens. Um, And, yeah, I just, like, I really want you guys to know that whatever you go through, like, you're not alone and you're going to feel like that. Um, But I really hope that this talk really provides some support to know that you're not alone. Um, And so, really, what the talk is about is suffering, and it's about vulnerability, Um, and I want to talk about that tonight. So what I am going to talk about is kind of how do you come alongside people when they suffer, and how do we ourselves suffer? Um, I think it's a question we all have, and there's just not a lot of answers. People really don't know, and we don't like to talk about it. Um, but that's what I do as a social worker and a counselor all the time. And so I have been really blessed with some skills that I'm learning. I am not an expert in, um, but I'm learning them. And so I want to share some of them and share kind of my story in that as well. So Lord, I just ask that you come. I ask that you speak through me. I ask that ears are opened and hearts are just exposed to you um, they don't need to be exposed to anyone else in the room, but they can be exposed to you because you can hold them and you can um, love us and you can just hold us tight when we need you. Amen. Okay, so in seeking God's direction for this talk, I asked him what book in the Bible to read and I heard him say Nehemiah and I was like, yeah, like totally, like, yep, yep, okay, Great. Because I love this story. It's about a man that gets a mighty call from God to rebuild the wall and like all this restoration and wonderful, wonderful stuff. Um, And I was like, yes, that's what's going to be on. Nope, not what's going to be on. So I was like, okay. So I like open up the book and I'm like really excited and I'm like, well, let's just rush to the end because that's where all the good stuff happens. Um, But that's not always how God works. He does not allow restoration to happen unless some other stuff happens first, which is really, really hard. So um I want you guys to open up Nehemiah chapter one and we're gonna look at verses one to four.
0: Their Bibles right there and their Bibles back there. Mike's got some put them out there Mike. You know,
1: Cool. So I'm going to start reading as you guys kind of start fiddling through it. Um, let you know that the words are hard. There are cities that are really, really hard to say, and so I'm going to try, but we'll see how it goes. So the words of Nehemiah, the son of Halakha. Now it happened in the month of Shileveh. In the 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hania, one of my brothers, came with a certain man from Judea. And I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and I wept, and I mourned, not for one day, but for days. Look at the S. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So, I love the story of Nehemiah. I love the story of the warrior Nehemiah. I love how he rebuilds. But this, like these verses do not talk about a warrior Nehemiah. It talks about a Nehemiah that is weeping. And he's not just like weeping, like he's on the ground. He just like cannot stop. And not just for, like, an hour or two hours or just a day, like, no, for days. And you're like, holy moly. Um, And so I asked God, like, are you honestly telling me that you want me to learn from a guy that cries and, like, can't get up? And he's like, yeah, that's who I want you to learn from. And I was like, oh, okay. So, like, I took a really big, deep breath, and I was like, okay, so you want to teach me something, it was hard because you're like, he's crying a lot. So I had to learn something from Nehemiah. And do you know that God spoke to him in November, telling him that he would rebuild the wall. However, Nehemiah waited four months before he began to rebuild. What, After do you think about it? It's November I wrote the talk and now it's four months. Crazy. I think that's what it is. Um, at first, it is easy to think that he must have been fearful or not believed he could do it. However, the truth is that Nehemiah had to enter into the suffering of the Jewish people. The rebuilding of the wall symbolized a Jewish community that was restored. But when Nehemiah first hears God's instruction to rebuild the wall, the Jewish people are severely broken down. The Jewish community is in deep suffering because of their sins and the fact that they are slaves in their own land. They have been in exile for 70 years because they were disobedient to God, and their homeland was now inhabited with people who brought severe moral and religious challenges to them. So do you think Nehemiah could say to the Jewish people, get your act together because God has chosen you to be the chosen people and it's far more in store than for you sitting here and suffering. So get your butt going now. Yeah, Anna Rosa's nodding her head. No, like he, he couldn't. So how does it feel when we're in suffering and someone tells you to get over it and you'll be fine? Does invalidating ring a bell? So what if someone actually meets you in your suffering and validates your feelings and thoughts? Yeah, like, do you feel like, whew. Such that a person says, wow, you must be going through a lot, having your homeland stripped away you're feeling really like not the chosen people like oh crap that sucks. Um, I'd argue that the greatest challenge we have to face as individuals is the fact that invalidation is almost natural to us. It's totally natural Um, and we don't recognize when we invalidate others. I would also argue that invalidation does not come from a bad place. Rather, it comes from a deep care for another person, and because we don't want to see them go through suffering, and we want them to be free of it. It's evident that we have the care, but we often do not have the words someone needs to hear. I believe we can change how we respond to people who are suffering. We just need some tools. My hope is that you will learn how to validate others rather than invalidate them. So here are two responses to the same situation. And tell me what one you guys prefer. So friends would ask me, Lindsay, what's going on? Like, you just look really sad. And I'd tell them, well, my mom's going through cancer. And so I'd have one group of people say, oh, God heals. She'll be fine. She's going to be healed. Like, so all of that stuff, she probably doesn't even need to go through chemo or radiation because you don't need to worry about it. She's going to be okay even though I'm there with, like, tears in my eyes and just, like, totally broken down. Okay, so that's one response. Second response is, oh, Lindsay, you just must be scared out of your mind because the fact is your mom is kind of your person, and, whoa, I wouldn't even know where to begin. Like, that's just devastating. Like, that's really, really tough. So what one would you guys choose? Yeah. So there's totally a difference. The first one is a lot of invalidation. It's not really putting yourself in their shoes, and it's just, you're going to be fine, which we all do. Like, how many people say, like, you're okay, you're fine, it's okay. Like, it's so natural. That's where the invalidation is natural. Um, But... The second one is so validation. And validation is meeting people in their suffering. It's entering into it with them, even though that's scary, but it's entering into it. So I want to share another passage in the Bible, which is about a mighty, mighty woman named Ruth. Yeah. She displays some of the best validation I have seen. So here's a little background on Naomi who is her mother-in-law. This is a Naomi too, but my different one. Um, So she moved to Moab with her husband and two sons because of the famine in Bethlehem, meaning that she was an outsider in a foreign land. And her husband died, which left her a widow and two sons. And in that time, widows had no rights. Her sons married two Moabite women, Ophrah and Ruth, And Jewish people were severely upset when people would marry someone outside of their religion because that was, like, oh, like, corruption. And 10 years later, both of her sons died, which left Ruth and Oprah widows as well. And their names, whatever, yeah, I'm not good with names, that's okay. Um, So, yeah, so it left... Both of those women, empty and with no hope. And because Naomi had no family in Moab, and because the Lord had blessed the people in Bethlehem with food, Naomi decided that it was best that she would leave and go back to Bethlehem. So she's going to leave where she would feel safe, where she feels like confident and stuff. But Ruth knows no one, so she's going to be an outsider. So let's look at Ruth chapter 1, and we're going to look at verses 12 to 15. So it says, turn back, my daughters. This is Naomi talking to both of those women. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I stay, if I could say I have hope, even if I had a husband, this night and all of this is just not mine. You should therefore wait till you have grown. Something is messed up with that. I'm going to start over. Turn back, my daughters. Go your own way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and bear sons, would you therefore wait till they are grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for this is exceedingly bitter... To me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then he lifted up their voices and wept again. And Oprah kissed her father and her, kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her, and she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. It's perfectly logical for both women to return home, since Naomi cannot provide a husband for them. Also, They would both be outsiders in Bethlehem. In Naomi's opinion, the Lord has lost favor. She's angry. And it would be smart for the women to leave before the tragedy gets worse. However, take note of Ruth's response, which is in verse 6. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord do so to me, and more also of anything but death parts from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. There is not a definite understanding of why Ruth does not back down. But I'm going to argue that she found some logic in validating Naomi, saying that I'm going to be here with you in this. She tells Naomi to stop telling her what to do because her land, people, and God will be hers too. Instead of telling Naomi to not worry because everything will be okay, Ruth recognizes that Naomi is in suffering and her response is to validate her and to enter into her suffering Ruth is saying that I am loyal to you. I'm going to stay with you. In other words, Ruth is saying, your suffering will also be my suffering. So the two of them, this is in verse 19, went on until they came to Bethlehem. And they went to Bethlehem. The whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Myra. For the Almighty has dealt with me bitterly. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has tested against me, and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? Take note that the name Naomi means pleasant. When she returns to Bethlehem, she demands that others call her Myra, which means bitter. Naomi believes that God has made her bitter because she has lost everything. There are times in our lives when we are bitterly angry with God. We almost want to scream, You have taken everything away from me. You have caused me to be alone. I will admit in November I still felt that, and I would scream that. God, you have caused everything. You have taken everything away from me. You have caused me to be alone. However, here is the challenge. Did Naomi really lose everything, and was she really alone? Do you think Ruth's presence served as a reminder to Naomi? And what do you think that reminder actually was? There are two examples I want to share that will answer these questions. The first is to look at the shortest verse in the Bible. Does anyone know it? Good job. Jesus whipped. So let's look at John eleven twenty to 37. This is the story of Lazarus. So when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but he was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews were with her in the house, consoling her, she saw Mary rise quickly and go out, and they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews who had come with her we were also weeping. And Jesus was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. How does Jesus respond? Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Jesus was moved with profound sorrow. It says he was greatly troubled at the death of his friend and at the grief that his other friends had suffered. Do we believe that Jesus himself is right there with us in our suffering? We feel alone and like we have lost everything. But the question is, are we actually alone? Is there someone there the whole time feeling the pain we feel, weeping just as much as we are, and holding our hand? Pastor Joe, a man who spoke back in October, invited me to walk through the process called inner healing. I had heard this term many, many times, but I was unsure of what the process entailed. To be honest, I was a little skeptical. Even though I do therapy, I was totally skeptical. But I want to explain what happened. So Joe said, Lindsay, I want you to think about a memory in which you need healing. One you have, you have had, or once you have it, please let me know and start describing it. Okay, I'm at home in my sister's room. She's having a grand mal seizure, and I'm standing at the foot of her bed. And how do you feel? I feel that I can't do anything. I have literally to stand here motionless and watch just this horrible, demonic situation happen. I'm helpless. Tears streamed down my face because there's nothing that I can do. And where is Jesus in the moment? I have no idea. Lindsay, he is there. Where is he? Joe, I have absolutely no idea. Where do you expect him to be? holding my sister in her arms. But he's not there. A long, long pause followed with a huge, huge amount of tears. He's right next to me. He's actually holding my hand. And what is Jesus telling you? That it would be harder for me to witness my sister have a seizure than it would be for my sister who was experiencing it. He knew that I could not bear the sight and that I needed someone to hold my hand because what I saw completely destroyed me. He wanted to tell me that I'm not alone in the suffering, that if I just turned my head, I would see an even bigger puddle beneath him of tears. It hurt Jesus even more because he had to witness two of his daughters in complete pain. And my sister is not alone either. Because if I stopped for a moment, I would realize about ten angels actually surrounding and protecting her. And what do you want to tell Jesus? You really have been there all these times. I felt so, so alone and that you weren't doing anything. But I know now that I just wasn't looking for you. That you were there holding my hand every time. I actually just needed to squeeze and feel it. Is there anything else? Joe asked. Another long moment of silence. And notice, like, when Joe was there, he was not pressing. He was just very, very relaxed. So is there anything else? Wow, you have been there even through my mom's cancer. You stayed even though I kept pushing you away and saying I was angry and I was upset and how I didn't even want you in my life and I doubted and I did all of that. But you didn't leave. Instead, you were right next to me. And you only wanted me to grab and squeeze your hand. And again, an angel of armies surrounded my mom and protected her. So, what is Jesus telling you now? Reach out and squeeze my hand because I'm here. And so I did that. I reached out and I squeezed. And I didn't like lightly touch, like, oh, I squeezed because <laughs> it was tough. It was really tough. The word says that we will go through tribulations. In John sixteen thirty three, it says, I have said these things to you, that in me you will have peace. Whew, that sounds good, doesn't it? But look at the next one. In the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. We are to take heart, knowing that our God will never leave us. We will not be alone, for he will fight for us, comfort us, and is near to the brokenhearted. Exodus fourteen fourteen says, The Lord will fight for you, and you only have to be silent. Whew, thank you, Jesus. Psalm 23, 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And Psalm thirty-four, seventeen to 8 says, When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Like, that one really, really spoke to me. Like, I'm even here crying. Like, it's still, like, it's just, like, he's near to those, um, the righteous that cry like he calls and he comes to them because the truth is as Christians we need to expect that we'll enc- encounter suffering like I really wish we didn't have to but we're in the world and until we go to heaven we're gonna experience it <laughs> In 1 Peter 4, 12, it says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. 2 Timothy Timothy 3, verse 12, says, Indeed, all who desire to live in a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. It's tough stuff. But because we know that suffering is going to happen, We can prepare for it. And that's what I want you guys to be able to know, is that we can prepare for suffering when others encounter it, and also we can prepare for it when we ourselves go through it. I'm not going to tell you that it's going to be easy, because the truth is that's invalidating. But I'm going to tell you that it's going to be hard, and it's going to be miserable, and you're going to want to cry your eyes out the majority of the time. And I say that because that's how it was for me. And a lot of times is when I go through suffering. God is at work in ways that we can't comprehend. I can swear that God wants to rebuild. I know that. I so, so know that. But first, you must go through the suffering. And why do I know that God wants to rebuild? Because look what the heck he did. Like, we're in the season of Lent, guys. Like, What happens in this time? Like, he suffered, and he suffered big. But then he died on the cross. But then what happened? He buried and then what happened after that? Yes, so he likes to rebuild, and he desires to rebuild. But there is a part before. But take heart, like Jesus says, because you're not alone. Sometimes God may give you someone to go through the suffering with, and sometimes he just won't. And when he doesn't, you're going to feel really alone. But I challenge you with this question Where is Jesus? I bet with any money that you're gonna respond, I don't know. And you might have some attitude, because I sure had it. But I'm gonna keep firing the question back at you, because he is there, and I want you to figure out where he is. And because he is there, you're not alone in your suffering. He's there, right beside you, with tears actually streaming down his face.
0: What did you like about what you heard? Uh, vulnerability. Really vulnerable. What else? Pardon? A lot of good scripture, wasn't there? Really good scripture, and a new look at it, wasn't it? Different, a re- of refreshing look at the scripture. Yeah. It was convincing, wasn't it? Because she had gone through a lot, and she was going through a lot, so it it was convincing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very eloquent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw God in how you yourself was acquainted with sorrow.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I like how you bring up the point of
0: validating the hardships. Yeah. That's really a good point isn't it, our tendency if someone comes with a 2 to give them a 7 because we want to give them hope. On Sunday I preached at another church in the cities, and I talked about uh, one of the things. I'm going to share some of it next week with you about the warfare in the womb. And afterwards I was asked to pray with several different people who had uh, one had a problem getting Pregnant, another, um, they had a miscarriage after 17 weeks. And I got there while someone else was praying. And this person was devastated. And the other person was trying to give her hope by saying it's going to be okay. It's going to be positive. God's going to heal. God's going to bring. And I thought that can work sometime later down the road. But the Bible says, what does it say? To weep with those who weep. This person wasn't weeping. She was offering hope. She was giving them an eight for a two. And when you're at a two, you can't receive an eight. And that thing of validation is really a strong point. And another thing I heard, really powerful words, the greater the suffering, the fewer the words. Job's friends said nothing for seven days. They were really good friends. And that gave Job permission after seven days to share his agony, his grief, his anger, and then they couldn't handle it. And then they opened their mouth. They opened their mouth. They did great until they opened their mouth. So if you want to know what to do, Love. Love doesn't fail, but you don't have to say any words.
1: Hold people. I can't tell you how many times, like, like with clients, I just hold them. There you go. Oh my words. I mean, I have kids, so it's like a little easier. But I won't be working with kids forever. So when I'm working with adults, I don't care. I'm just, come here. I'm just gonna hold you. That's good. And like, like when our friends go through, just come here. I'm gonna hold you. So. Like they'll let go when they're ready. So don't freak. Oh. Like, they'll let go,
0: but just hold them. Show up. Just show up. When we lost our child. In fact, last I shared this when we went out to this trip to California. I talked about a similar thing about grief and how to suffer with those who suffer. And that was the first thing I said, just show up. Mm -hmm. Don't say anything, but show up. And I thanked my friend Luther. I said, Luther, 20 years ago, you showed up. Thank you. Don't do anything. Don't well, do something. Bring a meal. Don't ask them if if there's anything I can do. Let me know. Uh-uh. They're too much in shock. They're too much in grief. Then you're let, making them come up with something. Here's what you do. Your mom. She brought a meal today. See, that's that's just do something when someone is struggling. Mm-hmm. Don't don't say how can I help you. What can I do? They don't know. They can't express so is it. Okay? it. just bring it it. it's okay i'll give i'll tell you right now it's okay because they're not cooking they're not They're not, they're not thinking food they probably need some you really did well you did really well so let's uh let's do a couple things now let's dim dim some of the lights and uh we don't we don't know the Bible says the the heart knows its own sorrow. see only you know how you're feeling right now, and there may be those who are here right now that are just going through horrendous battles, and we don't even know it because they're coming here and they're singing the songs, remember they're not singing and we don't know um, I happen to have the uh, encouragement to weep because I've got somebody in my family that knows how to weep with those who weep. Who's that? Mm-hmm. Nobody does it better than Naomi. Nobody. I, I guarantee you no one rejoices better. She, she just enters right in yeah. to, to sorrow people immediately. So it would be appropriate to do that tonight if there are those. We don't, we're not going to ask you for what. But I'm going to pray for those who are going through really, really hard times. We all go through times. We all go through, through testing. Like Rick Warren says, either you're, you're getting ready for one, you're in the middle of one, and you're going out the other end. It's, that's life. Yeah. Jesus said something really interesting. He said, don't worry about tomorrow. You've got to have troubles today. <laughs> in that, see, he's not trying to be positive. He's being realistic. That's life. And the grandfather said, life wouldn't be, he said it to his grandkids, life wouldn't be so hard if you didn't think it was going to be so easy. If you think it's going to be easy, then it becomes harder. But if you know it's going to be hard, it actually gets easier because you you brace yourself for it. So I want you to raise your hand. We're not going to ask you what it is. But I want you to raise your hand. We're going to pray if you're going through a really, really hard time right now. Keep keep your hand up until a couple of people are, are uh, putting their hand on you. If you see a hand go up, just come on. Go over, go, let's. let's and we won't try to offer solutions, but uh, we'll just be available to pray. Wouldn't this be wonderful if we were a safe place in this community and we were able to support people uh, and that we could also rejoice, that, that we weren't, wouldn't be so taken up by their own rejoicing. It's a wonderful thing to rejoice, but we could, we could rejoice with those who are rejoicing. So... Lindsay, you go ahead and pray. Pray loud.
1: Lord, we just ask that you just like, our touch is your touch, and that um, just your presence is here. Lord, And we can just sit in silence with you, and if tears come, tears come, that's good. If they don't, that's okay, too. Um but, Lord, like, suffering sucks. I feel exhausted. Ugh. Like, that's how we feel. Um, and, Lord, we just need you. But it takes a really sense of vulnerability to even admit that. Um, so, Lord, I ask that you just you meet people where they're at right now. Um, if you're not ready to let God in. That's okay. That's really hard. And I know I said, that's okay. Because that is, that's really okay. Like you're not ready. That's where you are. And a time will come that you still might not be ready and you're not going to be ready. Um, but I ask and I pray into a time that your heart is opened and that. We can turn to you and we can just open our hands and open just those really vulnerable parts that are raw in us because you are there Um, and you're, you're literally holding our hands even if we don't feel it, Uh, but we can squeeze and we can feel you and Lord, when we're ready, we can do that but we're not going to push anyone. And we ask for the um, the wisdom to know how to handle situations, and we ask for the, uh, the patience when we surely do not have it. But we ask so of our whole beings, we ask that you just give us the love that we really need to give to other people and express it in the way um, that you would express it. And so we ask that you just teach us, and that you guide us and that, yeah, you're the best teacher. And so we ask that you just teach us.
0: I'm going to pray now for my wife. You can stay where you are you can move. But I'm going to pray for my wife. We uh, were in California two and a half weeks ago. And we shared our story of grief when uh, Karen delivered a child two days before its uh, due date, and it was not living, and it was a real shocker because we had had prophetic words that this was going to be different. Uh, we thought that meant it was going to be easier because she'd had hard labors, and it was far more difficult, horrendous, something you couldn't imagine happening to you. And uh, it was full term, but it wasn't living. The cord wrapped three times around And uh, so we shared that with the congregation that we had been at for 20 years. And uh, Karen has delivered seven babies, and uh, she had surgery, some uh, corrective surgery, and it turned out to be more complicated than was anticipated. And so she's in the recovery process, and uh, it's been a tough time. On Tuesday I wasn't here I was planning on speaking here <clears throat> but I couldn't leave I went down to the lobby and I said where do I belong and I'm so thankful that I didn't come back here because she was upstairs having 5 hours of probably the, among the worst 5 hours of her life because they couldn't they didn't want to give her pain medication because her blood pressure was so low it was 70 over 38 and they wondered if they gave her uh medication it would sink lower and it was already dangerously low so they didn't give her medication well she got a lot of internal stitching and the anesthesiologist said that pain just comes right to the surface and it's it's just horrific so she was crying out and nothing i could do but cry out with her and and she would say i'm so sorry and the nurses say honey you just go ahead so uh, she did
1: Finally, they decided.
0: Well, we're just going to give it to her. They gave it to her, and her her blood pressure didn't go down, didn't go up, it didn't go down. So she's on the mend. It's a slow mend. So I want to pray for her. Thank you for uh, those of you who have uh, prayed for her, Father. Thank you for Karen, and we pray for uh, ongoing mending and healing and release. And moving through suffering and sorrow into a place of hope, we do cry with her and are confident in your goodness to her through this. So, it's bittersweet. Thank you for a really wonderful time of worship. It was really, wasn't that tender tonight, the worship time? Really tender? Uh, what we like to do is, just for a moment, just turn this into a prayer time, and uh, what you can do is just turn to somebody n- near you and take the theme and just bring it home with a prayer. Maybe some something that you're struggling with could be a, a trial. I, uh, almost every day, sometimes more than once a day, I thank God for tests, trials for conflict because that's life and when you thank him for it even in advance you know when it comes when uh when I had a, a recent test oh another we had another leak I we found a little water upstairs uh, the day that I was taking Nick Karen to the hospital the morning I was I was glad Aaron was here because Aaron stuck around greeted the plumber when he came but found a little water up in the pantry then I came downstairs, and the room in there, Robin's room it was flooded. It was flooded. There was water in his, his drawers. Mm. And, uh, and so I, uh, I called, tried to get in touch with somebody, plumber and drawers as in drawers. <laughs> drawer, pulling out the drawers. <laughs> okay. I heard you guys. I know what you're thinking. Yeah. Uh, good one. Good one, Corrected that one, didn't we, David? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I really had a good one. I, I was I was sharing the message about <laughs> um about age, and I I said, yeah, age. We in the Bible, gray hairs they uh They honor it, and we don't honor it. we color it, we just take out the preparation h and we and I, no preparation h won't do it <laughs> that's the wrong end you know that, that's <laughs> so, I don't even know what you call it when you color it gray, but it's not preparation h so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. So we're ready to pray now, aren't we? <laughs> so uh how about if if you be up front, Lindsay and, and Brandon if uh, a couple of the others just be up front. Yeah. Nate? I, I just wanted before we move into prayer. Sure. Enough, sure. If sure. I yeah. Um I just wanted to let you all know that you are all invited on Friday if you want to worship with us even more. We're doing a worship night around 7 o'clock at our house, which some of you have been to before. But if you are interested in joining us, uh, let me know, and I might touch base with CJ to get that posted on Communitas so that people know where to go. But we'd love to see you guys there. Uh, we're going to have, actually, CJ is going to be running sound for me because oh, cool. he's the best. So yeah, so I just want to let you guys know, open invitation to whoever, if you want to continue in worship. I don't uh, know. If, if, uh, somebody give him Cat's email, and Cat could put it out. Pardon? Oh, she's on the road. Oh, on yeah. the road. Okay. I mean, I have your too, so yeah. we can come Okay. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. And God bless you guys. Let's pray. for. Did you pray for them already? Okay. <laughs> That'll work. Okay. So those uh, if you want prayer from somebody up in front, if you're most comfortable doing that, or if you want to spin around with someone near you. Newbies, uh, we have a couple of newbies, don't we? We usually like to meet with the newbies and just get acquainted with you. And uh, if, if there are those, raise your hand if you're a newbie. Any newbies? Okay. All right. So just turn to somebody near you, and here's what we're going to do. We're going we're to share something of some sorrow, some struggle, some tests, and uh, ask for prayer. There you go.